covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thank you so much for being tuned in as we get closer and closer and closer to those magical words of pitchers and catchers reporting they will be getting to Arizona here in just a few days. And before you know it, we're going to have the first full squad workout and then the first game, and then it's going to be opening day, and it's going to be baseball, and everything's going to be right in the world. All right, let's take care of our uh, normal housekeeping items here at the top of the program. If you want to get in contact with me, you can do so on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. You can uh, also, if you'd like to, leave a ranking, a review of the podcast, especially if you listen to it via Apple Podcast. If you want to take just a couple minutes and uh, do that and uh, subscribe as well via Apple Podcasts, it's great. If you just happen to listen to it, maybe on the WTMJ mobile app or going to WTMJ.com, that's great as well. Really appreciate everybody listening to the podcast on an every week basis. want to open up the program by touching just for a moment on some news this past week that I think caught a lot of people off guard. It certainly caught me off guard. The minor league deal that is reportedly uh, coming to agreement between uh, the Brewers and Brett Laurie. Now, the Brewers, as of the moment that I'm talking right now, it is 9.07 p.m. on Sunday, February 10th. By the time you're listening to this, maybe the Brewers will have confirmed. But as it sits right now, all we're doing is taking an Instagram post from uh, Brett Laurie and then some uh, details from uh, the various individuals who uh, cover the Brewers and cover Major League Baseball to figure out the details on the contract. But Brett Laurie is getting a deal. It includes an option for a second year. It's got a maximum value of $7 million, and it does not include an invitation to Major League Spring Training. Laurie has not played baseball uh, professionally in a couple years, and he he has dealt with injuries. He's got a bit of a reputation from uh, his playing time as well. That uh, there's some rumblings out there that uh, maybe he did not carry himself in the way that you would have liked an individual to carry himself. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But uh, that's all the stuff that's kind of out there. And as is the world that we live in right now, where everybody seems to uh, jump to an extreme in one direction or another, I think it's good to either. I think it's good to pump the brakes no matter which extreme you happen to be leaning to if you fall under this category. For folks that say, oh my gosh, here it is, this is the move, it's Brett Laurie, he's going to come back, he's healthy, he's not even 30 yet, this is a guy, you know, uh, don't need to even worry about Mike Moustakis at this point, don't need to worry about second base, they'll get it all figured out, this is a guy that you had uh, to the infield mix and he's going to be there from day number one. I would say no. I I don't expect him to make the opening day roster. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm wrong a lot. I've got no problem admitting when I'm wrong. But to me, he has not played in two years, and he doesn't even have an invitation to Major League Spring Training. That doesn't mean during the course of spring training that he he can't move into Major League Camp and everything. He's just he's not going to be there on day number one. If he goes and he's in minor league camp and he's working out with AAA and AA guys and it just clicks right back in, he's killing it. I'm sure he'll get the opportunity uh, in in some big league games in spring training. But to me, this seems more of a a long haul sort of deal where they're going to sign him. 
They're going to get him through spring training. They're going to get him onto a minor league team. They're going to let him get his sea legs back once again, and he's going to be good to go. So that's the one side of it. If you're somebody that's really gung-ho and thinking this guy's going to be the difference maker for this upcoming season, I I don't think he is. And uh, I just – I don't know if he'll play in the big leagues this year. If it's if it's a what's more likely him being on the opening day twenty five man roster or him uh, appearing in the big leagues at some point uh, or him not appearing in the big leagues at any point during the course of the year. Let me start that over for you as I try to learn to talk. If you're if you have two options to choose from, either he's on the opening day twenty five man roster or he never plays a game with the Brewers this upcoming season, which one is more likely? I would actually say the latter is more likely because I really don't think he's going to make the uh, make the team out of spring training. I don't think he's really going to be given that opportunity. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll learn more uh, once they make a signing official. I'm sure David Stearns will talk on it, and maybe he'll say, look, we're going to Get him into spring training on in minor league camp. Going to let him get his uh, get get back going. You know, he hasn't played baseball in a couple years, and if he looks like he's good, we'll get him back up to spring training. You know, big league spring training right away, and and maybe that happens, and you go from there. So that's my that's my case of let's not crown this guy uh, as being a big part of this team from day number one. Now, there's others out there who are saying, why would you make this signing? He hasn't played in a couple years. He doesn't have a great reputation as a guy. There's been some things out there about him. Why would you bring this person into an organization and potentially into a clubhouse where it's such a good environment and the chemistry that exists helps the team win games? I'm going to give Brett Laurie the benefit of the doubt here. And I can't speak to what he did or did not do or how he acted or did not act previously in his uh, in his career. But when you read the Instagram post, and you can find it wherever, you know, if you do a Google search for Brett Laurie and go to a news item, you can, you can find the Instagram post or just search for him on Instagram. Um, there seems to be some humility there. Uh, talks about the struggles and, and how it's been so tough for him being out of baseball for a couple years. You know, I always say I don't want to be judged on my worst day. I, I say that a lot when we're looking at guys who do something really dumb, and it's never me saying it's never me trying to make an excuse for somebody who does something stupid. But I, I never think it's fair when there's a when something happens to somebody, it's out of the ordinary, and they get judged for it because I just I just know I don't want to be judged on my worst day. I don't want to be judged on my fifth worst day, my tenth worst day. Like we as human beings, we all do stuff that we're not super proud of, right? So uh, I don't know where that stands with Brett Laurie, but I know this. I Not only do I not want to be judged on my worst day, I probably don't want to be judged on how I acted when I was in my 20s. I, like many people, I look back on my 20s and it's uh, I was a different guy. I was dumb, right? We're all dumb when we're that age, unless you're li- that age right now and you're listening to this and clearly you are one of the smartest people in the world because you have found this podcast and you are <laughs> listening to it. But in all seriousness, like we all do dumb stuff when we're younger. And at, at some point in time for most of us, stuff starts to kind of click in. And uh, let's give Brett Laurie the benefit of the doubt here. You know, he has a reputation as being not a great clubhouse guy. He's been out of baseball for two years. It's 
It's a very humbling experience. Let's see what he's like now. Let's see how much he's changed because guys do change. Individuals do change as they get older, whether it's just a product of getting older and wiser or whether it's a product of like realizing, okay, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have acted that way. I shouldn't have said that. I might not do that again. That, that happens too. And I always leave the door open for uh, people getting better. And I just read this Instagram post and that just, it, it, it kind of screams at me that this seems to be a guy who's maybe looking back at what happened and had baseball taken away. And when you have baseball taken away, baseball's the sport, I think more so than any other sport. It's a, it's a lifestyle. Baseball is an absolute lifestyle. And it's weird. And you, you, the hours that are spent, like, this is going to sound like I'm comparing myself to a baseball player. I'm not. I'm just, I'm, I'm somebody who covers the game of baseball and with doing the post game show I'm, I'm connected to baseball you know so many days during the course of the summer and before I was in Milwaukee I was a minor league baseball broadcaster so I was on buses and I was just I was around baseball it's a, it's a lifestyle whether you're a player whether you're a coach whether you're a manager whether you're a general manager whether you're a minor league front office executive whatever an umpire like whatever you are around the game it's a lifestyle that you commit to when you're around baseball and it's a grind and it's tough but you don't know anything else and it's awesome and there's just so many things that's it's unlike many other things and you know sometimes we can complain about what's going on but then we realize we're around a game and there's other people out there doing things and they would jump to trade spots with you in a, in a second so there's a lot going on but you have it taken away from you and you don't know what to do and Brett Laurie had it taken away from him for for a couple years that can be a really big thing that can be a huge thing and uh, let's see how he how he is coming out of uh, going into spring training and, and just kind of what the reports are uh, about him. And look, if he comes in and, and he doesn't fit inside the culture of the organization, you know, maybe you give him a little bit of a leash. But eventually, uh, if it's not going to work out, it's not going to work out. And I'm sure the team will not be afraid to cut bait with him if they absolutely need to. All right. Coming up on the podcast this week, uh, we've got a conversation with Brew Crew Ball Managing Editor uh, Kyle Lesneski. That's coming up during a social media conversation. But first, let's get to this week's Headlines of the Week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. So the big one was the, uh, the, the apparent signing of Brett Laurie. Again, as we talk to you right now, that has not become official, but it is something that uh, is seemingly going to happen. So uh, he returns to the organization. Uh, the other signing this past week, it is a minor league deal, but uh, signing a uh, signing a deal uh, is Josh Tomlin. Now Tomlin last year was with the Cleveland Indians, began the season in the starting rotation, didn't do so well, got moved into the bullpen, Really wasn't great. 6.14 ERA over the course of the season in his career, 4.77 ERA. But he's he's a guy who kind of fits the profile of a player that if the Brewers get their hands on him, maybe they can kind of turn him around, you know, help him be his best self. That's kind of how I always talk about the Brewers pitching philosophy. And again, not to I said this the, on the first podcast after Derek Johnson left the organization. I think Chris Hook is going to be a perfectly good pitching uh, coach. 
I think he's somebody who's um, who, who understands the philosophy and is going to be able to teach that. The one thing, and we're not going to know this, we're just simply not going to know this until we get in the year. The one thing that Derek Johnson did that he was so incredibly good at was looking at guys and whether it was taking a pitch away, adding a pitch, tweaking something. He was so good at making guys be their best self. And uh, that's it, it was an eye thing more than a coaching thing. It was looking at what that individual was equipped with and being able to move forward. So that's going to be the question with Chris Hook. Is he able to, to do that sort of thing that Derek Johnson was uh, so incredibly good at? One other bit of, uh, well, two things. There was a lot of talk this past week. This is more of a baseball thing than a Brewers thing. Uh, talk this past week about maybe some draft changes or uh, the DH being added in the National League for this upcoming season. Rob Manford has said, no, that's not going to happen. Still could see some changes. Not not crazy to think that the pitch clock might come in. And let me tell you this, going back to my time as a minor league baseball broadcaster, my final year, my final two years at AAA, I can't remember, uh, they had the pitch clock. I was completely against the pitch clock before I saw it. The idea of a clock in baseball was appalling to me. Why would you ever... One of the great things about baseball is there is no clock, right? Once the clock was added... It, it has very little impact on the game. I don't, it's not like a shot clock in basketball where you know, you're doing the broadcast and so-and-so has three seconds to get the pitch off, two seconds to get, it's, it's not that. And in my time around a pitch clock, I don't, I don't remember ever seeing, uh, you know, a ball being assessed because uh, of the pitch clock. I just, I don't, I don't see, I, I never saw it. And for most guys, they were there was plenty of time left on the clock by the time they delivered. The only thing it kind of does, I guess, is for guys who are super slow workers or maybe guys who are in a little bit of trouble and are laboring, it, it just kind of keeps the game moving a little bit. It has very little real impact. So if you're somebody who is so against the pitch clock, just... Take, take it from me, listen to what I'm saying, and you can experience it for yourself if you want to. Go to a minor league game where they've got a pitch clock and sit there. I'm telling you, I would be shocked if you said that you felt like it uh, impacted the game. I would be shocked if you even like noticed it. If, if somebody goes to a minor league game and just watches the game, never has any thought about the pitch clock, and then walks out of that stadium, and I walk up to you, and maybe you didn't notice it, and I said, what do you think about the pitch clock? Unless you actually noticed the clock going down, I don't think you would notice any impact on the game. And so if baseball wants to add the pitch clock, cool, fine, whatever. Doesn't doesn't change anything. I don't want to see the DH go uh, come into the National League. I, I really don't. I'd, I'd like the DH to stick in. I, I like pitchers hitting. Maybe I'm alone in that one, but I'd like that. Uh, one last deal. Uh, the spring training schedule came out for WTMJ. We're doing something kind of cool this year in addition to uh, some spring training games on WTMJ. Now with uh, the fact that we are aligned with uh, ESPN Milwaukee, uh, we'll have some Brewers spring training games uh, on ESPN Milwaukee as well. You can find the entire schedule of games uh, by checking out WTMJ.com. Just go to the Brewers tab and uh, you'll see all the games that are going to be coming up. The first spring training broadcast is going to be from Mesa 
on February 23rd when they take on the Cubs. Can you believe that? February 23rd. That is in, I'm, I'm recording this on February 10th, so 13 days. That's in less than two weeks. There's going to be a spring training game. That's some, uh, that's some crazy, crazy stuff right there. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers X Range, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Time for our social media conversation. We're very happy to uh, welcome onto the program. He is the managing editor at Brew Crew Ball. We've had him on here all the time. He is uh, Kyle Lesneski. Kyle, great to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I guess I uh, I don't know how anybody could be complaining with pitchers and catchers getting ready to report to uh, Brewers Fields of Phoenix this week. Uh, you know, getting getting back into that regular season baseball mode here. Nice job not calling it Maryville Baseball Park because I have caught myself calling it that multiple times where I have to like Google to remember exactly what the new name is. It's going to take me a little while to get used to the new name there. Yeah, it's definitely something that uh, that requires a little bit of, of thought and effort to, to make sure that you get right. I, I know I've caught myself several times typing it out on, uh, you know, in, in any of our various articles or whatever, and you'll go and type out Maryvale, and you got to hit the backspace button and then put in the new name. So I'm sure it'll be uh, taken, or it'll take everybody a little bit of time to get used to it. Let's jump out with uh, kind of the news of the week, and that was the team signing Brett Laurie to a, a minor league contract. Came up in the organization, hasn't played in a couple years. You made the comment on, on Twitter, and I think you were right in what you said, that they don't give him a contract that can max out at $7 million if there's not an expectation that he can, at some point in time, contribute at the major league level. But the details we're hearing is that the contract does not even include an invite to major league spring training. So it might be a situation where he's going to have to prove himself in the minor leagues during the regular season and not even get a chance to prove anything during the during spring training. But what's your takeaway from... Uh, an old name, uh, a guy that kind of has some baggage that goes along with the name. He's got uh, a reputation that uh, isn't fantastic in terms of the way he acts in the clubhouse. He's There's just a lot going on there. And, and so I, let me just – I'm interviewing you. I'm not the one talking here. So let me just throw it at you. What's your general takeaway from uh, this uh, very interesting signing this past week? Yeah, boy, it was certainly one of those things that, that – kind of felt like it almost came out of left field, didn't it? Um, Just, uh, you know, Brett Laurie's been out of organized baseball now for, uh, for the last two seasons. Um, And it's, it's just odd to look back on it now and, and think about how, you know, excited we were as Brewers fans when the Brewers um, drafted him in the first round all those years ago. And um, I know he was, he was a pretty hyped prospect, at least initially when, uh, when he first began with the organization and then the, it started to come out all these different, uh, off the field things and, and, um, you know, personality clashes that he had with, with guys within the front office and, um, on the field and all that kind of stuff. And that, that sort of reputation seemed to follow him throughout his career and, um, it's it's unfortunate, I guess, that he never lived up, I guess, to the the lofty expectations that we had for him as a first round draft pick. Um, but I think when you look at look at it more objectively, um, this is a guy who, at least when he's been in the major leagues, has has been a pretty productive player overall. Um, his uh, overall batting line is is right around the league average. Um, he's 
previously recorded some pretty strong defensive rankings at third base, and um, he's been all right at second base. Um, and you know, he, he's uh, he's a guy who's shown some some ability to uh, hit for contact, um, hit it for a little bit of power, double digit home runs. I think in in uh, four out of five of his full big league seasons. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, I think it's one of those things that if if they didn't think that there was some possibility that he would be able to get back to that level of playing that they wouldn't have given him this contract that's, I mean, in my experience, it's a pretty oddly structured minor league contract. Especially for veteran players like that, you don't really see uh, minor league contracts that that, uh, are able to be multiple years, um, especially ones that you know, have language in it that can guarantee up to seven million dollars, which is what um, which is what's being reported for this Brett Laurie contract. So yeah, I, I I do think that they wouldn't have given him a deal like that unless they thought there was going to be a, a legitimate chance that he could get back to being close to to some kind of legitimate contributor at the major league level. And uh, another thing too, as far as the off the field issues, the issues with teammates and stuff in the past like that, um, you know, just kind of looking at looking at the the verbiage that he used in his Instagram post that that announced this signing and all that kind of stuff. It, it seems like a guy who has sort of been humbled by this experience of being out of the game and and having to go through uh, what sounds like some some pretty serious. Um, injury issues and stuff that he had to work through during his time away, and um, it, it seems like that—that's an experience that that hopefully grounded him. And when we look at how David Stearns and Craig Council both have talked about um, how strongly they value uh, the presence of a player in the clubhouse and and that whole clubhouse chemistry and and that sort of I- intangible thing um, with how their players get along and and play for each other. Um, I, I don't think that if they thought that Brett, Brett Laurie was going to come into the clubhouse and, and cause a lot of discord, that they would have, you know, even pursued a, a, a contract like this. Um, so, uh, you know, I guess I feel knowing knowing the way that David Sturdens and Craig Council operate, I guess I feel pretty confident in knowing that if if they are willing to give Brett Laurie a chance, it's going to be a Brett Laurie who's not going to come in and, and be, you know, kind of that, that punk kid, I guess that he was, um, when he was first in the organization. So I'm really curious to see how, how this deal is going to work out. And, um, you know, I'm sure that the whole not being invited to spring training thing is, is probably more so of a, giving the guys some space to knock off, off some rust and, and get back into the mode of facing live pitching and being in game situations and all that kind of stuff. Um, because there's probably going to be a, a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of time for him to get reacclimated to being in a professional environment like that. So, um, hopefully it's, it's more one of those things where they're setting him up for a longer term of success over the course of this, you know, potentially two year contract. Um, and you know, like I said, I, I'm honestly really, really curious about how this could work out. And um, it seems like, you know, there there is some some potential for upside there. So, 
uh, I, I definitely think it'll be one of the one of the more interesting storylines to watch throughout the course of the spring and, and going into the regular season. Still a ton of free agents out there. I think fans. Uh, there was a you know a small signing this past week in terms of pitching uh, with, with Tomlin, and, and uh, there was a blur by Ken Rosenthal this past week saying that it felt almost inevitable that Mike Mustakis was going to return to the team. We know about all the uh, guys who are still out there. What are you thinking? Uh, we still look at starting pitching, and I think we look at the infield, whether it's second base or a third baseman like Mustakis moving Shaw back to second. What's your takeaway right now? And what's kind of your belief on what the Brewers still might do in terms of acquisitions? You know, maybe even not before spring training, but certainly before they uh, break out of camp here in the next month and a half. Yeah, I think at, at this point in the off season and with spring training, you know, right around the corner here next week, um, if the Brewers do make any more signings, it's going to be more along the lines of, well, this guy fell into our lap at a price that we just couldn't resist. Um, I I get the sense that they're pretty comfortable going into spring training and, and possibly going into the regular season with the team that they have assembled in house, especially after the addition of Yasmani Grandal at catcher. Um, going into the offseason, you know, it seemed pretty obvious that they needed to add some offense somewhere, and just because of the natural hole that was presented at second base. I think everybody just kind of assumed that second base was going to be the spot that they went out and upgraded. Um, and then the Yasmani Grandal catcher signing just kind of caught everybody by surprise. And that is, should be theoretically a, a really significant addition to their lineup. The, the offensive upgrade that he'll provide over um, the combination of what uh, Manny Pena and Eric Kratz were able to do last season. Uh, so his presence in the lineup, I think, really kind of mitigates the need for them to go out and and get a guy like Mike Moustakis or, or make a deal for any of the guys that are still left over on the second base markets. And, I mean, it, it, at least in the case of Moustakis specifically, um, I, I just don't really think that that's a very clean fit for the team as they're assembled. Um, I, I think that it would be less ideal to re-sign Moustakis and, you know, move Travis Shaw back over to second base because Moustakis isn't as good of a defensive third baseman as Travis Shaw is. So by moving Moustakis from third base to, or moving Shaw from third base to second base, you're taking a hit at third base. And then you're also going to be taking a hit defensively at second base because Shaw at second base isn't going to be as good or reliable as even the combination of Corey Spangenberg and Hernan Perez. Neither of those guys are, are gold covers or anything at second base. So you're going to be you're going to be losing a lot defensively at two positions if you go out and and bring him into the lineup. And I'm just not really sure that Mustakis is bat, which has been historically right around league average, slightly better than league average. Um, but I, I don't know that putting his bat into the lineup is the is going to be a big enough offensive upgrade to justify what you're giving up defensively at those positions. And I'm sure that the, that the Brewers kind of recognize that. And, and when, in, when you hear what everybody's kind of been saying throughout the winter, it seems pretty clear that, that Travis Shaw's preference is, is to go back to third base. And um, I mean, he was a gold glove nominee there last year and, and the, 
uh, defensive statistics back up that, that he's a really good defensive player there. So, um, I think that unless, you know, like I said, unless Moustakis or somebody else just kind of falls into their lap at a price, it's like, well, why, why wouldn't we do it? Um, it, it's not something that they're looking to go out and, and necessarily, um, make a point to go and do anything there. Um, and it's kind of the same sort of thing now in, in the rotation and in the bullpen. Um, I think they're pretty well set with, with what they have. And anything else at this point is going to be either a guy signs for uh, a significantly lower price than I guess was initially projected, or it's just going to be some more depth signings along the lines of like a Josh Tomlin or something like that. And we'll get to Josh Tomlin in a minute. From my perspective, it's almost inevitable. You've got you got so many guys who are still free agents. It's going to get to a point where these guys are going to be taking one-year deals for a lot less money than they were hoping for when when the offseason started. They're going to look at their choices, and if the Brewers are one of the teams that are out there offering, the Brewers are a team that is very, uh, very attractive to play for expected to win this season uh obviously uh it's a good clubhouse people seem to enjoy playing for craig council there's just a lot of things going on right now that i feel like there's going to be a guy or two that ends up signing if for no other reason because they they're they're resigned to the fact that they're going to have to take a whole lot less money than they wanted to so they're going to go somewhere where they have a chance to win and a place that they can enjoy themselves yeah, I, I mean, I certainly think that, um, you know, that's a logical way to look at it. Um, like you said, I mean, it, it's almost inevitable that, that a lot of these guys are going to end up just having to take whatever, whatever they can. And, um, you know, I think Tom Hardricourt phrased, phrased it similarly earlier this week that, you know, just, just because of the way that the market is, there's, there's, likely to be, you know, one or more guys that just end up going to Maryvale because, you know, there's over a hundred guys still or something that, that just need to find jobs. So, um, you know, I, I guess I certainly wouldn't be surprised that, you know, they, they end up adding one or more guys and then bringing them to camp. Um, it's just, you know, I guess hard to say when it's, when we're at this point in the market and it's like, well, we, we know that, you know, all these players are just kind of going to be looking at what else is left. Um, you know, who's going to prioritize what and where guys are are going to end up signing. So, um, I'm sure Mike Mustakis or, or guys like that are, are going to be looking for um, you know as much money as they can get and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, I, I guess I'll be curious to see if at the end of the day, any or multiple of those players end up getting the most money from a team like the Brewers. Josh Tomlin signs last year wasn't very good. Had a 6.14 ERA, began the season in the rotation for Cleveland, got pulled out. Uh, it just wasn't a good year for him. He's been a kind of a mid-level guy throughout his career, and then he went to being bad last year. Uh, he's got some attributes that make him look like a, a potential classic Brewers candidate to be to have a turnaround season. What's your takeaway from the Tomlin signing? Um, it, you know, certainly on a minor league deal, any any kind of minor league deal like that is always going to be pretty low risk. Um, kind of a guy to bring in a camp and compete and see what he can do. Um, but, you know, there's no obligation to go forward with him or anything like that if they don't like what they see. Um, but I guess, you know, on the surface, it, it's not difficult to see what sort of things that the Brewers may be attracted to. Um, 
he's historically a guy who who's been very stingy when it comes to giving up walks. Uh, I, I don't know that he's at any season in his career where he's where he's given up more than two walks per nine innings, which is you know obviously pretty excellent. Um, doesn't uh, doesn't strike out a ton of guys, um, and uh, doesn't you know throw especially hard. Usually sits around the upper eighties, um, uh, something like that. But uh, the biggest thing that that kind of jumped out to me was um, he's another one of those guys that's really cutter heavy uh, when it comes to his pitch repertoire. Um, you know, kind of similar to what uh, Wade Miley was last year when the Brewers picked him up off the scrap heap. And you know, thinking back to when they when they signed Miley right around this time last year, nobody really had any kind of expectations or anything for him. Um, and I, I mean, I specifically remember myself um, saying that this isn't a guy that I really wanted to see make make many starts for the Brewers or anything like that. And I obviously turned out to be to be pretty wrong in that in that point, along with a lot of other people. So. Um, you know, I, I've kind of learned that when it comes to these veterans that the Brewers sign, um, just to keep an open mind as far as to what a, what a guy can contribute. And, um, you know, Josh Tomlin's a guy who last year gave up 25 home runs in, in 70 innings, and he's historically had some issues giving up the long ball, but, uh, but nothing, nothing quite like last year. Um, so if they could get the, that home run issue a little bit, better under control obviously Miller Park might not be the most ideal ballpark for for that but um you know the, the Brewers seem to have a pretty good knack for identifying pitchers that their coaching staff and analytics staff can work with and and highlight their strengths and uh you know kind of coax the best possible production out of them that they can and uh Josh Tomlin seems to be like the guy that they think they might be able to do that for in 2019 and um, I'll be curious to see how he performs this spring and, and if he determines that, uh, you know, he's worth getting a shot. Let me finish you off with this. It's been an entire off season of, you know, doom and gloom in terms of projections for the Brewers, some having them as the, the last place team in the NL Central. And then we get the uh, we get the uh, P-coded data this past week, and Brewers are projected to win the Central at 88 and uh, 74. And I guess the uh, the analytics folks out there who have been so worried about all the other projections can can rest a little bit easier. I say all this with you know tongue in cheek because that's what you have to do with with projections. But you know, just the the entire off season where some who you know who knows what's actually going to happen. But uh, our entire off season where 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 we look and see uh, the the projections going from very bad to you know the, this one saying the Brewers are going to win the division. What do you take away from just kind of the the sum of the parts that was the different projections over the course of this off season. Yeah, I guess for for me personally, when it comes to when it comes to the projection systems, the two ones that I pay the most attention to are um, the Pakota one, as you as you mentioned from baseball perspectives, and then also um, Dan Zimborski's ZIP systems, which is uh, published every year through Fangraphs, and that was also um, uh, recently published, I believe, right at the end of last week. And um, both of those systems seem to uh, seem to value the Brewers pretty highly. Obviously, as you mentioned, uh, Pakota thinks that uh, the Brewers should repeat as as uh, NL Central champions this coming season. And um, according to the Zips data, which isn't isn't at least at this point quite as clean cut as far as a specific win projection. Um, 
but when you look at the individual player projections that they have put together, uh, it, it comes out to be around some, somewhere between 85 and 90 wins, so kind of that same sort of level that, um, that Dakota has the Brewers on right now. Um, so, I mean, when, for, for me, when, when I look at projection systems, it's less to me about a specific win total uh, just because the standard deviation on those projection systems can can, can be rather wide. Uh, typically, I think they're they're said to be about plus or minus five wins. So when Pakota says the Brewers could win 89 games, it really means that they're you know kind of in a range between 84 and 94 uh, because you know the, the projection systems can't really account for you know luck in one run games and and run differential and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it's just more so. Um, or it, it is more so based on like what the projected run differential is. Um, but, uh, the, the important thing for me to look at is how the Brewers are projected in comparison to the other teams in the league. Uh, Pakota, I believe projects 11 or 12 of the 15 teams in the national league to be, uh, at 81 wins or more in 2019. So Pakota thinks that the national league is going to be an extremely competitive league. And it right now has the Brewers, uh, tied with the Washington nationals as far as, um, wins for the second most wins in the league. Um, so what that kind of illustrates to me is that Pakota thinks that, in a very competitive national league, the Brewers are in the elite class of teams with the Dodgers and, and supposedly the Nationals are, are the three teams that Dakota thinks are going to be the class of the national league in 2019. Um, so, you know, looking at that, um, it, it's, it's, pretty easy to feel confident when uh, when the projection systems kind of back up what we feel as fans should be what what our team is being seen but coming off of you know a, a division championship and a birth in the national league or the national league championship series we all want to think and you know know based on what we watched last year that this team is going to be good again this year. And now finally we have these projection systems that are coming out and kind of backing up what, what we feel and think, um, or what we felt and kind of thought all winter long. So, um, I guess for me, I've, I've never really been all that worried that, you know, the Brewers are going to all of a sudden be, you know, one of the bottom teams in the national league central based on early steamer projections or, or whatever projections came out immediately after the season ended. Um, you know, I always figured that they, you know, they were going to be a competitive team. It, it's tough to forecast a team for matching a franchise record in wins, which they had last year at 96. Um, but I, you know, I felt pretty confident in saying that the Brewers were going to be one of the best teams again in the National League in 2019. And, and now the projection systems are, are sort of agreeing with that sentiment. So. Brew Crew Ball is just producing content, uh, multiple things every day. And one of the things I wanted to mention, you guys put together the community top 30 prospect list. And uh, this was a, it was part, it was the community. It was voted on by uh, people who uh, visit the site. This was a pretty cool thing, and I, I like the top 30 list. I mean, it, obviously, the the individuals knew what they were talking about as they went through it. I, I guess for you, kind of watching this process go forward, did anything surprise you? How much did you enjoy it? This was a cool thing for the site. Um, 
yeah, it's, you know, it's something that we've uh, done for the last several years now, um, last several years running. I, I also think it's, it's very enjoyable because you kind of can get a pulse on what the fans think as far as, you know, which prospects they like better, which prospects they may not like as much. Um, and it, it's interesting to see uh, within the community, what percentage of people value, you know, close proximity to the majors, guys in the double A, triple A, um, who may have put together some, some solid statistical seasons versus guys down in the lower levels of the minors who, you know, maybe are considered more high upside guys. Um, but are still, you know, further away and, and have that added layer of risk and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's always interesting for me to see how, how different people weigh those various factors when it comes to analyzing prospects versus how, you know, I myself or, or other writers at the site may um, weigh those different aspects of how you, how you evaluate prospects. So it, it's always fun, um, fun to go through it every year and, and have that, uh, all those conversations in each and every article, you know, debating the, the merits of specific guys and, and specific spots on the list and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I, I thought that uh, at the era the end product, uh, you know, we, we ended up putting together a pretty strong list based on how everybody voted. What else, uh, what else do you guys have going on right now as we get set for pitchers and catchers to report in just a few days? Um, yeah, we're going to uh, get into um, a lot of uh, spring training coverage as we get into pitchers and catchers reporting later this week. Um, take a look around the diamond and, and you know, get uh, familiarized with the different non-roster invitees. And as we get into spring training, start kind of breaking down positional previews, um, you know, uh, around the diamond, uh, first base, second base, so on and so forth. Um Take a look at where uh, you know former Brewers may have landed over the off season, and um, uh, just kind of start getting getting geared up for for games uh, getting started again at the end of this month, and and getting into the regular season and getting back into the full swing of our uh, actual on field in game baseball coverage. He is Kyle Osneski. He is the managing editor over at Brew Crew Ball. you got to be reading it on an everyday basis. Kyle, always appreciate the time. Next time we talk, baseball is going to be being played, whether it's towards the end of spring training or right at the start of the regular season. Next time we talk, we're going to have actual games to talk about, so I look forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's been a long winter, and I am definitely ready for baseball to, to get back to play. Kyle Osneski joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. We appreciate his time, and we appreciate your time being tuned in. We will talk to you again coming up next week for another edition as we get closer and closer to spring training games. Pitchers and catchers reporting in the first full squad workout. And before you know it, we'll get that first game in there as well. Again, thanks going out to uh, Kyle Lesneski from Brew Crew Balm. We look forward to talking to you next week for another edition of Brewers Extrins, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.